0: If you are an expatriate employee in the UAE, you are entitled to an end-of-service gratuity. This is a payment that you receive when you leave your company, as long as you complete at least one full year of service. Your final payout is decided by how long you're employed by your company and your final basic salary at the time of leaving. So how much will you receive when you leave your current job? And with the Dubai International Financial Centre now implementing its workplace savings plan, known as DUE's, is the UAE also considering a change to the gratuity system for the whole country? I'm Alice Hayne, the personal finance editor of The National, and joining me is Rory Reynolds, The National's news editor. Later, we'll be joined by Martin McGuigan, a partner at Aon Recruitment, who will give us some insight into the changes around the new workplace savings scheme at the DIFC and answer our questions on the future of the end of service gratuity. And we'll hear from someone who used his gratuity payment to start an investment portfolio for his children. So Rory, do you know what your gratuity entitlement is?
1: I'm not entirely clear on what my current gratuity would be, say, after two and a half years at the National. I do know when I left my previous employer after two and a half years, I got about a month's salary, just over a month's salary. Um, But it can be quite confusing to work out, um, particularly because your basic salary obviously isn't your full take-home package at the end of the month.
0: So to give you an idea of how it's calculated, Rory, you will only get a gratuity if you've stayed with your company for at least one year. So if you leave early, you're not going to get anything. And then if you've taken like unpaid leave or a sabbatical during that one year then that makes the year go on a bit longer so you need to have made sure that you've you've actually completed that full year and that your HR department recognises that if you leave between one and three years, you'll be paid 14 days of pay based on your final basic salary. That jumps to 21 days of pay based on your final basic salary for those that have stayed with the same company between three to five years. And after your fifth employment anniversary, you're entitled to 30 days of your basic salary. So that really changes and you start accruing a much higher gratuity amount every month. But This does change depending on whether you're on an unlimited contract or a limited contract. So a limited contract means it's a fixed tenure. You've got a set contract for two years. And it also changes depending on whether you resign or whether you are terminated. So again, you need to have that conversation with your HR department to make sure you know exactly what you're entitled to. And we've written about gratuities a lot on the national. So just search us up on the website and you'll, you'll find lots of stories about that.
1: Do you know why the UAE's had this gratuity system where you sort of are given a chunk of money when you leave and not something more long-term, Alice?
0: Well, it was introduced about 40 years ago, and and it was set up because you have an expatriate population that comes to this region to work. And it was a way of helping them set aside an amount of money uh, that, that, that would accrue over the, the lifespan of their employment with a particular company. And it would help them have a set of money, a, an amount that they could then invest for their future or could act as a, a pension per se. But it was just a, a savings vehicle in a way, a way to make sure you're saving some of that income. Uh, so that when you leave, you've got something to take with you. And this is where it starts to uh, raise red flags because some people have relied on that gratuity payment either as a, a retirement investment pot. And it does it does fall sh- short of, of the amount that you should be investing and saving for your future. But not only that is when they do switch between companies, then they get paid that money. They're not actually investing it. They're not setting it aside for their future. They're actually spending it. So I have to ask, what have you done with your gratuity in the past?
1: So when I, lost my job after two and a half years here. Um, It took quite a bit of time to get my gratuity. Um, I had a small loan with the bank. And even after I'd paid that off, they held the gratuity for quite a while. So when I did finally get it, I had another job. And I did have to admit I spent on a holiday in Australia for me and my wife. So perhaps not a sound investment, (laughs) but very enjoyable.
0: No, you see that that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't be spending on a holiday or using it to pay off debt. The idea is that you take that lump and you immediately invest it into for your future. But you should be doing that in conjunction with a separate investment or savings strategy that you should have already set up because gratuity is not going to be enough to, to last for your whole retirement. So I'm telling you off here, but yes, you shouldn't do that. And, and you know, I received um, a gratuity a couple of years ago because we, we switched uh, companies within the national and uh, I did invest all of it. What, wore, what did you,
1: what did you put it into well, I already you, you've have. got a very sound savings <laughs> saving scheme I know
0: well I already have uh, all my investments set up so I just top them up and, and use that money to kind of add to it I did buy my husband a small present though I, I bought him something for the house that he wanted maybe keep a tiny bit back if that makes you feel happy and it gives you that little bit boost. But you really want to make sure that, that money is being invested and secured for the future.
1: Well, I think in particular, if you're moving jobs, and you're going straight into another job, people would find it tempting to see it as a bonus and be like, I'm going to treat myself, which is obviously the wrong thing to do.
0: They do. They do see it as a bonus. That's exactly how it's seen. It's seen as almost like, well done me, pat on the back, I've got another job. And I'm going to use this money to have, in your case, Rory, a great holiday. And And fabulous for you. But you should have had that money set aside anyway. You should have had that money set aside to go on that holiday.
1: So if if I'm not investing it in a scheme or in a property, for example, I mean, what's another good thing to do with your gratuity? Perhaps clear the credit cards or something like that?
0: No, don't use it to clear the credit cards. In actual fact, that's something that almost half of UAE residents are doing with that gratuity payment. They're using it to clear outstanding debt. They're using it to pay a bill or buy a luxury item. That's a study that we ran in the newspaper last year. And that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't consider that money as part of your income or working capital. That money should be set aside for the future. It's it's something that you need to tap into in 20, 30 years time. Pay those debts off through your income, not using your gratuity. The only issue that you have there is that the bank may hold your gratuity and set it aside against your debt if they think that you're going to leave the country. So that's where it, it kind of causes a bit of a difficult situation. So it could be that they say, well, we're not going to release that money that you have because we want to pay off that debt. So that's something that you have to negotiate with the bank. But in theory, as long as you've got another job to go to, um, they should then release that money so that you can then use it as you, as you want to. And 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 as we mentioned before, is I had a gratuity payment and I used it to invest for the future but initially the bank froze the outstanding balance on my credit card I pay my credit card off every month and I should do I'm the personal finance editor but I pay it off every month but the bank froze the amount of credit that I'm entitled to from my gratuity payment and I couldn't access it for six weeks until I could prove I had another job contract and I I gave in that job contract and then that money was released but at no point would I have used that money to pay off a credit card bill because I should be paying that credit card bill Office
1: off anyway yeah. yeah and indeed i had something similar where um i had a, a small loan which i'd paid off then i had a temporary contract then by the time i got a full-time contract and showed all the three months worth of statements to the banks it was finally released so.
0: we're now joined by martin mcguigan a partner at aon recruitment who's going to offer us some more insight into the changes around the end of service gratuity So, Martin, we've discussed what the gratuity entitlement is, but now we're seeing changes. So, first of all, why is change needed?
2: First of all, the existing system is a miniature time bomb in the making. And why is that? Because companies have to provide uh, on an increasing salary basis for retrospective service. So, for example, if your salary grows at 5% every year and you work for 20 years in a company... For each one of those 20 years, they have to backdate the accrual that they made and catch you up to the end of your actual service period. So this can be quite an unknown factor, and accountants are very uncomfortable with that. In the Western world, it was realized that that's an unsustainable model. But the problem is that companies inside the UAE, whilst they have been recognizing the liability on their balance sheet, they haven't been funding it. So they've recognized an expense in a profit and loss account, but they didn't necessarily put that money aside and help it grow through a good investment strategy. So about 85 to 90% of companies inside the UE don't have the money set aside to pay the end of service as it stands.
0: So that puts the worker at risk?
2: Well, unfortunately, it has put the worker at risk in many cases. So when companies go, unfortunately, into liquidation, As an employee, you are an unsecured creditor. So as well as losing your job and possibly the last few months of salary, what was set aside for your end of service has been swallowed up by secured creditors. So you get nothing. Now, when we move as per the DIFC legislation, what is effectively happening is saying, this money belongs to the employees. We are taking it out of your company's bank account and giving it to a trustee to manage on their behalf, which means it is secure.
0: So can you explain how the DIFC's new scheme is going to work for those working within the free zone?
2: Okay. So first of all, it is solely within the free zone. I think the DIFC can be seen very much as a petri dish for the whole of the UAE to test if this system works. Dubai International Finance Centre is a regional hub for investment firms, asset management firms, banks, etc. So what they're effectively trying to do is say the rest of the world operates a defined contribution pension scheme, And it's high time that the region starts thinking like that. So they're setting themselves up as being the center for excellence in the Gulf. Now, if you look at the demographics of Gulf GCC countries, where from a national point of view, we've got a pyramid, which has got the vast majority of people in any one of the Gulf countries under the age of 35. Whilst the oil money has been there in the past to pay for pensions, in the future, that might not be the case. So we need to start a culture of saving. So the government is looking at this as being something not only for expats, but we want to get nationals thinking about saving as well. So effectively it's saying it's no longer okay for you as an employer to keep that money in your balance sheet, potentially using it as working capital or to pay other debts or something else. That money belongs to the employees and every month, just like you pay the salary, you will now make a contribution into a trust on their behalf and the money will be managed for their financial security in the future.
0: So they're funding it up front?
2: They must pay for it every month, just like any other debt.
1: Who will benefit from the scheme and who is affected?
2: Effectively, any company that is based inside the DIFC. And there are are several thousand companies there, everybody from the flower shop to the banks, all of their employees are included. So that's about 25,000 people approximately, who will every month see their money going off balance sheet and be invested. Now, Jews is a product that's been put together by the DIFC authority. It involves several companies who've come together to form a a, a process that will take both the administration side of this away from the employers, but crucially the investment side as well. And as with all DC plans, there is a level of risk that employees will tolerate and the employees will get to choose how much risk they're willing to bear. So, for example, if you think about it as a spectrum, at the very bottom end of the risk spectrum, you can think about cash. Literally, you can put the money into uh, overnight uh, cash accounts and you can get paid a very small amount of interest. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got things like equities, which can go up as well as down, but there is more chance of there being growth there, but also there is more risk. So, employees will be given a spectrum of funds from the very low, lowest risk possible in terms of maybe cash-based plans, right the way up to perhaps ones which are most growth oriented which will tend to be a mixture of things like equities and bonds. So... If the question is how quickly do I get to access the money that's been saved on my behalf under the dues scheme, it's the same as end of service. So once I terminate my employment with the company that I'm, uh, I'm currently employed by, I am eligible to collect that money. Now, the difference with dues is it gives me the option, as do all other qualifying plans, to keep that money invested To set it aside and make sure that it is there for the longer term, which currently under the end of service regime, you'll get a big, you know, you've worked in a company for 10 years, you'll get a big check and what will you do with it? Unfortunately, most of us are not well enough educated in terms of investment to do the right thing. It's very tempting to do something which is short term rather than what it was intended for, which is long term. But in that respect, no change between end of service and dues. It is yours when you leave your employment.
0: Because the gratuity in its current form is not enough to service your pension. So
2: one of the changes that you will find is if you spent your whole career, Alice, here at the National, under the current regime, you're capped out. You can't get more than two years of pay. Whereas under the new system, whatever you put in there or the company puts in there could potentially grow to much more than two years over the case of a career and hopefully be enough to help you think about that retirement adequacy.
0: Plus you can transfer it if you move within companies within the DIFC, you can take it with this you. This is
2: this is a good point. So the, the scheme and all qualifying alternative schemes are the same, must allow you to continue to keep the money invested. Post leaving your employer or transfer it to another company, perhaps in IFC, DIFC. So your pool would stay the same under the same regime. It'll just be under a different contribution from a different employer. But should you choose to go back to the UK, for example, you can leave the money here. You will pay the administration fee in most cases. Your company will stop paying that. But you can keep it invested and see it as part of your pension portfolio. So that's already built into the system. Uh, if it's your own money, So you're making voluntary savings. You can access that if you've got a family emergency, a crisis. You can take that out just like you can for any other saving product. But perhaps unlike some of the schemes that are run by independent financial advisors where there are extortionate and prohibitively unfair charges on the saver, the dues plan won't have that. There will be no cost to take the money out from a savings plan. But, of course, your end-of-service replacement vehicle, dues itself, can't be accessed until the point at which you leave the company.
0: Because at the moment, people receive their gratuity and not everybody invests it. Rory has told us that he uh, went, blew it all on a holiday. So,
2: a new car, paying off credit card debts, buying a big holiday which is great okay it's nice to have that pot of money but you know when you are 65 and you're now thinking about how am i going to pay the electricity bill and what am i going to do for this month's rent or whatever you need that's what that money was meant for you know it was meant to be for your longer term financial security not for unfortunately what people do here is the next spending spree
0: which brings me on to a question from a reader so we have a question from GK in Dubai Who says, I'm moving to a new company after three years with my current employer. Can I take my existing gratuity entitlement and switch it on to a new contract so that I can keep accruing the entitlement? Or do I have to start from scratch again when I move to the new company? I think I know the answer to this. It's no. But you you tell us, Martin.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, um, it, it will be starting from scratch. So why is that important? Because under the current federal system, end of service, uh, there are two different tiers of contributions from your employer. Once you've ser- served more than five years, the contribution level required from that point onwards goes up. Okay, So we move from 21 days to 30 days once you cross that five years of service. So by cashing in your chips with one employer and taking a new job, you effectively reset the clock, and you were quite close, you were 60% of the way to getting the higher contribution rate with your old employer, but the clock starts again and you're back to zero with your new employer. But, you know, just statistically for those listeners out there that had the started their career, if you wanted to have a full sort of end-of-service salary equivalent to what you leave with, you're paid to be maintained at the age of 65. From the age of 25 onwards, you should be putting away somewhere between 14 and 17% of your gross earnings every year. Now, that's, you know, you break that down, that's two months of your pay every year you should be saving and investing. There are very few of us that actually do that. So, you know, we're all hoping to live into our 90s and medicine is getting better and it's more likely it's going to happen. But unless you've got, you know, rock star children or or the next uh, Mo Salah footballer on the books, then you're going to have to pay for that yourself. So you need to start thinking about how you're going to save right now.
0: When do you think we might see a new gratuity at a federal level? We've been talking about it for years. When do you think it might actually happen?
2: I would say we'd be looking at this within the next two to three years as being something the federal law will absolutely change on.
0: Wow. Thank you very much for that information, Martin, and lovely to have you on the show.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Calling out to all our listeners, if you've got a question or something that's worrying you, please write to us at pf at e. Remember, the PF stands for personal finance. We are now joined by Fred Wobus, a marine scientist, who used his gratuity to start an investment portfolio for his children. So, Fred, you actually invested your gratuity payment. Can you tell us when that was and what you did with the money?
3: I received my gratuity payment uh, towards the end of last year. This was due to a change in my contract. I haven't left the company. It's just there was some restructuring company was sort of integrated into a bigger group uh, that required a, a legal change in, in in the company organization. So they said uh, they have to put me on a new contract. Now, when the old contract ended, um, they didn't want to carry over the gratuity payment from the, from the old company. So they said, we're going to pay that out.
0: I mean, so how not, long have you uh, been with the company?
3: Uh, so that w- was about a year and a half. So it meant
0: that you would have to go back to scratch if you if you switched over.
3: Yes, exactly. So I thought, uh, am I going to stay another five years to actually get to the five years? But then I thought, uh, the money in my pocket is better than the money on their books. So I agreed to have it paid out, and um, that that came through towards the end of last year. Um, so, rather, so
0: rather than spend it, which a lot of people do, what did you decide to do?
3: I was never going to spend it. Uh, I've been wanting to set up something for the children uh, for a long time. Just 15 minutes ago, made the final purchase in my investment broker to actually put the money in there. So it's, it's taken me quite a while to figure out. But, but you've uh, done yeah, it, so well done. It's all done now, yeah. So that's the that's a, that's a first payment to basically kick off their funds.
0: And what, what have um, you actually done specifically? Where is the money so, being directed? Uh, uh, we have
3: an brokerage account with interactive brokers and that's where we put our savings and we have a portfolio of um, a stock ETF and a bond ETF like a lot of people do and that's where you know, what, what we don't spend about our salary uh, goes to and inside that I created new positions for our children and basically I have bought them their own funds So something very similar to a stock ETF and a bond ETF, they are different funds so they don't get muddled up with our money, our retirement fund. Mm -hmm. I I can tell by looking at the ticker symbol, oh, this one is for our first child, this one is for our second child. One characteristic that I wanted for them is they're all traded in US dollars Mm -hmm. because for our children, uh, one of them is four, the other one is one. So in 14 to 17 years when they um, make their own way who knows where that's going to be in the world so I thought uh, US dollars is the most future proof for now doesn't tie us into any particular um, economy or doesn't assume that they're going to be studying in a particular country. So just thought US dollars, the world's default currency is uh, is a safe bet there, hopefully.
0: Yeah. So you've effectively used that gratuity payment to kickstart your children's investment, which is very obviously the right way to do it. A lot of people can also use it for their own investments. I mean, mean, do you hear of people who actually end up spending their gratuity, using it to pay off debt or other things?
3: Um, we didn't have any debt in this country, so that wasn't um that wasn't a necessity for us and actually together with that gratuity payment, I had um some unspent leave from the old contract so basically that's the money that I put towards our own retirement fund portfolio so oh, I see. Uh, there but, was there was coming kind of
0: and what about anecdotally do you hear of other people who use gratuity money to spend on other things
3: i've heard. Someone's someone's wife had a, a gratuity payment, and she used it to simply take a break between jobs. She didn't have to worry about finding a job very, very quickly. So she had a six-month break between jobs, which um, you know, for some people, in very stressful high-level positions, is quite a useful thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you very much for sharing your story, Fred. That's a great story for others to learn from.
3: You're very welcome.
0: Thank you this week to Rory Reynolds, Martin McGuigan, and Fred Wobus. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at the national.ae. Remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to get weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan, and Erica L. Kershi. I've been your host, Alice Hay.